Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. This is Jeff Lerner, your host. Always thrilled to be here with you. Today, I am joined by a phenomenal human being. I just got done watching his incredible TEDx talk, Mr. Brian Breach. He is an entertainer, obviously a TED Talk speaker, influencer, content creator, entrepreneur. He's an expert on virality. He's had uh, multiple content pieces go hugely viral on the internet. He's kind of cracked that code that the rest of us are just grasping for. We're hoping he'll share some of that insight with us and so on and so on. Mr. Brian Breach, welcome to Millionaire Secrets. How are you, man? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, man. Pleasure to be here today. Yeah, yeah, this is great. And I mean, you know, when we're talking, and we'll, I don't want to start here, but I'm just going to declare this. When we're talking viral content, I mean, you might as well be talking like the Holy Grail or the Golden Goose. I mean, this is what everybody is after. So uh, I'm excited to, to you know, pick your brain a little bit and kind of hear some of the some of the mojo that you figured out. But kind of before we go there, um, you know, I just watched your TED Talk. I mean, you've got an incredible backstory maybe didn't feel incredible all the time you were living it, but in hindsight, it's incredible. I'm wondering if, you know, how much you'd be willing to share just about like who you are and where you come from. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's crazy because it's not till, it's not till later on in life that you realize that anything was strange about it. You know, when you're living it, you're going through it as a kid, you don't think, you don't think twice about it, but, uh, it, uh, I guess long story short, um, I, I come from an, an extremely busy dad and a very abusive mom. Um, I grew up in New York until I was about eight years old. Um, my mom was arrested on interstate trafficking charges. She was super abusive. I mean, I, I still have a fingernail in my face, you know, or at least the marks yeah. from uh, stuff that happened when I was a kid. Um, during that period of time, uh, she actually cheated on my dad with a, uh, a, a house guest of our neighbor, and she inadvertently contracted HIV, didn't realize it. Um, time passed by, uh, she divorced my dad and somehow, somehow or another, I still have no idea to this day. I talked to my dad about it, but she got custody of us. Um, she took us down to Florida, which she wasn't really allowed to do. Uh, we got down to Florida. She ends up meeting this guy named Jordan, which I, I really liked. He, he was kind of like a stepdad. They were together for years and years. He lived with us for years and years. Um, and as my mom started getting sicker and sicker from the HIV and she ended up in the hospital, um, he was involved in some kind of drug deal, apparently gone wrong over in Boca and somebody ran him over with a car. He was airlifted to the hospital and he passed away. And I found out because when my mom was in the hospital, hospital, my grandmother comes up to me with a newspaper and she's like, I need you to read this. And as I'm reading it, that's how I found out, you know, that the guy who I basically loved was, you know, passed away from some, some kind of deal gone wrong. Shortly after that, my mom passed away. My dad ends up getting custody. We moved to Pembroke Pines. He was super broke at the time. He just came over from New York. He had a decent paying job in New York at a printing company. Then when he came down here, he was doing door-to-door -door sales. He's sleeping in people's houses. He went from doing okay to being broke. Um, he was sleeping on the floor in a two-bedroom apartment that we had. And he ends up meeting my stepmom named Cynthia. Now, although me and Cynthia, you know, we didn't have a real great relationship throughout the years, um, when I first moved into our house within that first month or two, uh, they found a huge seizure, uh, a huge, um, what do you call it? Uh, a tumor behind her eye. She had a grand mal seizure. So I go from, you know, my, my stepdad, quote unquote, passing, uh, my mom passing, my stepmom just has a seizure. And then shortly after, I think it's like a year or two after my dad ends up having a staph infection that the hospital gave him from a back surgery. 
So everybody was basically out of commission. He was out of work for nine months. Um, my stepmom was out of work for quite a long time. So I was a super independent kid, skateboarding, playing basketball. I was in the streets all day long. So I learned in a sense how to become super independent. I learned how to be a hustler. I mean, even, even from the day I came out of my mom's womb, I was a hustler. You know, I was trying to sell baby milk to the other babies in the ward, you know? Um, so I was finding all kinds of ways to make money. I used to sell paper airplanes in school. I used to, I used to literally make bracelets all day in this aftercare. It's my, when my mom was at work, I'd sit in aftercare for hours till she came pick me up. I was like the last person there. I was making bracelets, selling them. So I was always trying to find a way to make money, trying to, trying to find ways to hustle and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. And during my high school years or not even high school, middle school, I started working my first job at 11. I worked in the, the service industry from 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Actually, you know what? The first year that I didn't have a job in my entire life from the age of 11 was the age of 12. They wouldn't hire me. Then when I was 13, I started working as a dishwasher and then I never stopped since. My last nine to five uh, was between 2004 to 2008. I was fired. Um, because I was doing music a lot during that period of time, although I was going to get rehired within the company, but I got arrested twice in 2006, and that kind of screwed me over a little bit, and that forced me into the entrepreneurial world, and from 2008 on, I've never went back to a nine-to-five, and I was thrown to the wolves, couldn't even get a nine-to-five at that time, and I swam, and I made it, and here we are. So, I mean, jeez. They yeah, I did that was a lot. All the rest of us who feel like we have adversity and excuses realize that we don't. So thank you for that. Um, right. And it's funny. There are other stories that are way worse than mine. So I'm I, sure. You know, yeah, I'm grateful too. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's all relative. But, but all the reality relative. is, you know, you were not somebody based on an objective appraisal of your upbringing. You were not a statistically likely success story. Right. Let's say that right? we yeah. can all, I'm sure, agree on that. So uh, 2000, especially, I mean, frankly, especially with the the legal troubles. I mean, right. I, you know, I don't know if incarcerated or what they were. I don't want to probe. But, um, you know, you said you came out. What, what Did that create challenges of, of getting a job because of that? Yeah. What, what was super crazy about it was when that. So I was arrested once and then two weeks later I was arrested again. Um, and so the next two years of being at my nine to five, they didn't really know about it. The only reason they knew about it, because I was arrested one time on the way to work and I missed the whole weekend. And my, I came in the, on Monday. My boss loved me at that time. He's like, what the fuck, bro? And I'm like, uh, you know, so, uh, something came up. My car got towed, craziness, whatever. So I got past that. And then in 2008, I was doing a lot of music with one of my, one of my good friends. And, um, they noticed that I wasn't focused on the job anymore. And I knew it, I felt it, you know, but they loved me anyway. They were like, yo, we love you, but you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Maybe you need to change the scenery. So they sent me downstairs to the, to the uh, on-campus department. I was an online admissions advisor and they sent me to the on-campus department. And when I went to apply there, um, cause you have to reapply even if you're in the All same right. company, but I reapplied with an, a guy who knew me for four years. I've literally talked to this guy a hundred times. We worked together. And he ran my background and I'm like, why would you run my background? You know me, you know, he's like, that's what we have to do regardless of what, what department you came from. And he's like, we can't hire you. And I was like, it was, I was hurt, you know, and not only hurt, I was scared. Like I remember going out in the parking lot and some of my coworkers came out and I was like, yo, I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. If I can't get hired in the same company that I've worked for, for four years, what the hell am I going to do? They wouldn't even hire me at McDonald's, you know? Um, I didn't apply at McDonald's, but I, there's no yeah. way. So I got really, really nervous at the time. And uh, 
but you know i started going hard and you know i started doing a lot of hip-hop shows throwing them myself i, I was an i was a hip-hop artist for a long period of time then we created a studio and we turned that into a printing business we turned that into an independent label turned that into a social media business and we had a hip-hop blog it was like non-stop trying to hustle to stay above water and you know even during that time i didn't do i didn't do the right things to stay afloat i, I just had to do something there were there were times i went the wrong route and you know i pulled myself out of it and i kept going and going and going and thank god the social media business took off and uh quit music and then started shooting these crazy viral videos and you know thank god from the ted talk and the viral videos it's gotten me so many dramatic opportunities in the last two years and i've just been non-stop and, and i've been loving it let's Pulled out apart a little bit. So it sounds like <laughs> your real entrepreneurial journey. I mean, I would say in some way you've been an entrepreneur forever because it's all about ad adaptation and survival and forever. figuring it out and strategizing and all that. But in terms of business, you know, 2008. And by the way, in hindsight, was it a good thing or a bad thing that employment was removed as an option? I think it's an amazing thing, although it was terrifying at the time. And then, you know, there are still days, even though I'm doing really well, there are still days I get nervous, you know, like, yeah. what if I fail? What if I don't keep going? You know, it's all on me now. Um, but had that nine to five not stopped, I guarantee that I would have went to another nine to five. I guarantee it. I know it. I know that's what I was going to do. Even though I was an entrepreneur, I know that's the route that I was going to go. And I probably would have ended up honestly being stuck in another job for four more years or five more years. And then I, I would have extended my entrepreneurial journey. And, you know, in hindsight, I'm glad it happened. And I'm glad that it happened earlier than, you know, five years back. And, yeah. and I'm still trying to catch my footing, you know? How, uh, how old were you when that happened? Uh, when I was arrested, I was 26. And when my last night of five, I was 28. Yeah. And, and, you know, I already knew the answer. I look super young. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I knew that was going to be your answer, though, when I asked the question. And yeah, you yeah, do yeah. look young because you're what, 30, 38 now? 30. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm right around that, right around that area. Yeah, you do look young. So, but hey, entrepreneurship keeps you young, man. I'm, I'm 74. Can't you tell? <laughs> you look amazing, man. Yes, thank you. Thank you. But um, no, I mean, and I, like I said, I knew the answer when I asked. I mean, there is something. You know, I get the question within my organization, our advisors, our trainers, our coaches, whatever. I mean, we get the question a dozen times a day about people. Should I quit my job? Should I burn my boats? Should I go all in? And, you know, to each their own. We, 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 don't, we don't prescribe that, uh, that decision for people. But there is something pretty powerful about having no options, about having, having your back against the wall. It's, it's, it's very powerful and it's scary. And what happens when you have your back against the wall, you have no option but to fight forward. And it's, it's a scary thing, but man, you gotta fight and you gotta fight every single day. You can't let up, you gotta keep moving forward no matter what. It's that old Rocky expression. You gotta keep moving forward. You know, you know yeah, the, yeah. the quote that we've heard so many times, but there's, there's no other way about it. Yeah, I had, um, I had uh, Grant Cardone on the show last week, and he was doing a round to promote his uh, his new show on Discovery Channel, Undercover Billionaire. Yeah, I was I was on a Clubhouse uh, group listening to him talk about it. Okay, awesome. so so you know the premise. I mean, it was essentially the same thing. He was artificially put into a situation where all of right. his usual options were removed, and to hear him, and I watched the first two episodes, and just the you can just see it. You can see what happens to a person when there's nowhere to go but through the shit. 
It's powerful. It is. It is. You know, for me, it was half a million dollars in debt. Same time as you, 2008. Wow. I was a musician. You're, you were a hip-hop musician. I was a piano player. I yep. had tried to start these franchise restaurants. They failed in the Great Recession. I was $495,000 in debt, and I had never made more than about, I'd never made more than about $60,000 in a year. So, like, what the hell was I going to do, you know? <laughs> and uh, that same thing, man. You just, you just, you find a whole other mode to, to kick into. So, so walk me through it. I mean, you kind of glossed over it, but like 2008, I can't work any, I can't be employed anymore. Like, what did you do? Minute one, hour one, like, what did you do? What direction did you go? <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I always give like the standard answer, which is true. I, I really did. Uh, so the first thing we did was um, we started throwing hip hop shows. And during that time, so in South Florida, it's tricky. Uh, when when you're getting booked on hip hop shows, what happens normally is you have to wait for a promoter to hit you up. And the problem is all the other hip hop artists devalue you because they can book anyone they want for free at any time because hip hop artists just want to get on the show. Right, right. So, um, you know, my, my partner and one of my best friends, Lex One, he's like uh, my business partner at the time. He's like, you know, we need to say screw this and we need to start being the promoter ourselves and throwing the hip hop show ourselves. So that's what we really started doing. So we started uh, contacting the clubs ourselves. I'd literally walk in the clubs and be like, "Hey, we got this amazing hip hop show. I'm gonna book a. I'm gonna book a headliner. We're gonna open for them. I'm gonna hire the door girl. Let's negotiate the bar. How much can we make at the bar?" And we started throwing hip hop shows and kind of making money that way. Now, what I was also doing behind the scenes, I guarantee at that time I was selling burnt CDs. I guarantee I was selling burnt movies on a on a disc just to have money flowing in. I'm almost positive. I probably still have the book around somewhere, old Simpsons movies, whatever the hell was going on at that time, Matt Damon movies or whatever. So there was always little hustles going on, little money coming in, but that's where we really started. And we digged in on these hip hop shows. Um, and then we started an independent label. And at that time I thought I was gonna be the next P Diddy a bad boy. I swear, I, I swear I thought I was gonna blow up. And uh, we had about eight artists underneath us, I think for about, well, about a year, we really went hard and we all met up every week and we practiced our sets. We were like, a, a, like almost like a Wu-Tang collective. There was eight of us always performing on stage at the same time and it was crazy. We got to open up for, you know, Keith Murray and Spectre Death from Wu-Tang. We got to open up for all these major, major artists and we went, we went on a rampage. Um, and then we started, uh, and then he came up with the concept. He's like, hey, listen, we're not making a ton of money off this. We need tangible money now. We need like a real business. Let's get the business money flowing in and then we'll worry about what else we're going to do. He comes from a printing background. Now, the problem with printing for me is I don't see the printing like the matrix. He sees the printing like the matrix. I see social media like the matrix, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I dove headfirst into a printing business and I had no idea what I was doing. I'm misquoting people by by $5,000, you know? I remember quoting some one one woman. I was like, yeah, that, uh, the whole quote's gonna be a thousand. He's like, bro, that's like a $7,000 job. I called her back, I'm like, I made a mistake, it's 7,000. She's like, you guys are ripping me off. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I just don't know what I'm doing. So we went from one building, uh, we had a lot of drama there with, with someone that worked there. Then we got our separate warehouse. We were there for a full year. We were, we were uh, charging people to throw music videos in there. We built out a whole studio in there. We were booking studio time. Uh, we were booking, um, uh, we were doing a lot of print work. And then the building sold from out from under us at, at about the nine or 10 month mark. And we didn't sign any kind of lease or anything like that. And it killed us. Um, so then I built a studio on my house and started booking sessions out of my house. 
to make some more money. So it was like one thing after another. And then I started my clothing line called Psyche Clothing. Um, I was doing okay with online sales there. And lo and behold, the social media business came into effect because of the fact that when we were building the label, we were learning how to grow social media for all our artists. So because we were learning how to grow social media through our artists, we were able to kind of convert that into a social media business that I started taking on tons of clients growing their social media. I mean, I have probably had like, I don't know, 50, 70 at a time, just growing social media and stuff like that. Now I've narrowed it down to doing more content management and still growing some social medias. But yeah, the social media business really is what held me up um, towards the end of all this craziness. Isn't it interesting how you just roll, you roll from yeah. one thing to the next thing to the next thing and you just pick every failure is really just a lesson. Everyone to success. Right. Every failure teaches you something. I, I can't stand. I never want to hear somebody say like, I'm a winner. I, I don't fail. I'm like, all right, if you don't fail, you don't learn. So I right, keep on winning, man. You're never going to learn adversity. You have to fail every day. I fail. I probably failed today. I was, I was looking for something online and according to my business, I had no idea what I was doing, but I figured it out in two seconds. You go on YouTube, you watch a tutorial, you sign up, you research, you watch some videos, you figure things out as you go and you got to fail every day. So when did you start to gel around the social media business? I think I started to gel really. It's got to be right around the, it'll probably like the 2016-ish mark, maybe the 2017-ish mark. Um, once I quit, once I quit music, um, and I don't want to say quit, I pivoted uh, to another platform and I started shooting and I made a, I made a, like I made a year long commitment to switching from music to shooting comedy stuff and uh, social experiments and skits and pranks. And that went down my year and a half journey of trying to go viral. And it was a, an amazing experiment and it, and it worked. Um, and when start, people started seeing me in that realm and then also more in the entrepreneurial realm, that's when people started coming to me for opportunities instead of me chasing other people, which was really cool. Once people started, you know, seeing, you know, one of my videos go viral or things are taken off and, uh, you know, saw my, saw me on Yahoo finance or something like that. That's when, you know, I started getting solidified in that space and more opportunities started coming my way. So, so I want to, I want to pause the kind of the linear narrative there and, and we'll come back to it because you know again i'm sort of i'm sort of cliffhanging the question of like virality and how you get stuff to catch but yeah absolutely i want to kind of look at it from different angles so you do you did a ted talk when did you do that ted talk the ted talk i believe if i'm not mistaken was mid i think it was mid 2018 i i believe i'm on my two-year anniversary so yeah i think it was mid 2018 around that okay. time something like that and so I, I'm guessing, and I have, I've seen some clues that suggest this, but I want to confirm it. Like, do you talk a lot and work a lot with like younger people that are kind of trying to find their direction in life? Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes some of the, some of the people that I was working with is social media for a long period of time. I mean, I work with everybody. I mean, my, my business partner now runs a social media for one of the biggest shoe companies in, in Miami called shoe gallery. Um, I mean, I've ran Instagram accounts for politicians I ran Instagram accounts for yoga companies, uh, artists, singers, models, business people. Um, I'm running the social media. I'm doing all the content management, social media for a publicly traded company now called The Movie Studio. I'm also in charge of their uh, their influencer campaign. So I don't want to say it was necessarily all young people, although I do get a ton of questions by young yeah, people I, every I day. More, I meant more like with your speaking and your influencing type of work. Oh, oh. A lot of like almost oh. more mentorship kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... What's cool is after I did the TED talk, 
and the, the the title of the TED talk was how to survive without a job through failure. Right. Um, the reason that was a good topic for me, because I learned how to survive without a job through failure. Um, then when I went viral, I was asked to speak. And this is the one craziest thing. I never thought in a million years, the one thing that came to fruition from going viral was people would ask me to speak about how to go viral around the country. Never in a thousand years did I think that's what would amount to it. So when I started speaking around the country and I spoke in the Hamptons and LA and Puerto Rico. Yes, there was, there's a lot of, there's a lot more younger people in the crowd. Absolutely. And you know, those are the people I talked to most of the time. Those are the people I was connecting with even some of the after events and stuff like that. Yeah. They're mostly, you know, there's 26 year olds, there's 32 year olds. I've seen 50 year olds. They're, they're all over the place, but it's, it's a lot of younger people I like to mentor, especially my DMS. It's always younger people. Yeah. And I'm spending, spending hours sometimes, you know, helping people and trying to guide people the best I can. Yeah, I mean, because I'm, I'm in the same boat, you know, I put out all this content about education and challenges in the educational system and, you know, different ways of doing business and alternatives to having a, a traditional job. And, you know, if, I mean, literally even like 20 minutes before we hopped on for an interview, I was cleaning out my Instagram DMs and it's, yeah. you know, 18 year old girl. I mean, it's one girl, 18 year old girl. Her mom got sick. She had to drop out of college. She's already, and I don't know how she racked up $78,000 in student loans in her first year of college, but it's in her mom's name and now she's got to go help her mom. But half the reason she's got to help her mom is because her mom's on the hook for all her student loans, but she couldn't finish college. So they weren't even, and like, that's just one example. I mean, I get, I get a dozen of these a day, you know, and people just asking about there's, there's, and I'm curious if you feel this too, there's like this just massive sense in the world that like almost you mentioned the matrix almost like the matrix like like the matrix is is tricking us like school get a job get a get a career get a 401k retire like young people are smart yeah and they know that that is not that that's kind of like a bogus promise right so i'm curious what what you tell people how do you counsel young people and i'm asking selfishly because i want to give them better advice Right. You know, I get that question a lot, too. I get that question. Should I go to college? And it's a tricky it's really a tricky answer because the scary part is, you know, I don't I don't have some I don't have a degree, you know, for me to it's scary for me to guide someone away from that direction. You know, so what if you know, I'll tell people, listen, you need to make you need to make your own decisions. I'm not going to have a parent come after me with a shotgun because I encourage the kid not to go to school. But what I do tell people is that, look, man, like, we're living in the day and age of social media. People have cracked the code. You don't necessarily need, need school to be a millionaire or, or billionaire. And most millionaires, I don't, if I'm not mistaken, if my stats right, most millionaires or billionaires did not come from a college degree. No. Um, they, they worked. You know, they, they worked as an entrepreneur, and that's it. Um, you're not going to find a billion millionaires having a college degree hanging on the wall, in my opinion, unless, unless my stats are completely off. So... You know, it's a tricky thing. I tell them that, look, you can make money on social media. You just have to grind. You just have to go online. You just have to network. You just have to do your thing. And you can learn everything you want on YouTube. All the same stuff you learn in the real world and on YouTube, you're going to get out of college. So it's a tricky one. Yeah, uh, I just literally, I just did a TikTok uh, or it's not. I mean, if somebody goes to check my TikTok, it's not up yet. I recorded the video. I sent it to my team. They're going to pretty it up and then post it for me. But yeah. what I said on the TikTok was, and I know your numbers are right because this is what I said on the TikTok. I said, yeah. if you entered the job market in the last 20 years, 
your odds of retiring someday with a million dollars, which is not that much money. I mean, right. you want to have, have a nice right. retirement, you need more than a million dollars. Right, right. Your odds of retiring with a million dollars if you entered the job market in the last 20 years are about the same as the odds of any given NFL kickoff being returned for a touchdown. <laughs> this low odds. Which yeah. is about one in 135. Wow. So, I'm surprised you know that exact stat. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm like you. Like, this is my world. I research this stuff, right? Right. But um, no, it's it's not. And and I'm curious. Yeah, that's why I wanted to get your input on kind of how you steer young people. Because, I mean, yeah, we both know that there's a certain amount of security in, in employment, you know, college and job. Like, But it's security for what? Right. Security for mediocrity? Right. You know, security for just enough to survive? It's not security for like a really vibrant, wonderful outcome. Like right. you said, the vibrant, wonderful outcomes. I mean, when I was in my early 20s playing piano in rich people's houses, playing private parties, and I asked every single one of those patrons, or, you know, I guess, well, yeah, the people that hired me, patrons, I don't know if that's the right word. I would ask them like, dude, how'd you, how'd you do it? What was your, and they all own businesses. Right. Maybe they went to college, but that's not what got them their success. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, I was, I was curious kind of how you advise people. So, so yeah, and, and you know a lot more than me about how to actually turn social media energy into business. You know, I use social media as kind of an adjunct marketing strategy for my core business, but mostly I make money online by running a lot of paid ads. Right. So I would love if you could illuminate for myself and the audience, like how does somebody actually turn social media by itself into a monetary <clears throat> windfall? Yeah, it, it's it's crazy because how it happened for me was super different than it happens for a lot of other people. Are you familiar with Dogface? No, I'm not. That's the guy who went extremely viral recently for drinking the cranberry juice, skateboarding down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they're listening to the, the Stevie Nicks song or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the, the Stevie Nicks song, right. Um, well, you know, he monetized strict, uh, well, from what I understand, he monetized a lot of on his video views because it went extremely bizarrely viral. I mean, he was he's still probably making tons of money off, off YouTube and things like that. I monetize in a different way. I monetize through opportunity, and this, this is what I mean by that. So uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the actual video that went viral, but uh, I was standing in front of a Target dressed as a homeless guy, and... Um, Basically, anybody that walked in thinking I was homeless during Christmas that was walking into Target, they gave me a dollar or 50 cents or so and so forth. Um, I stopped them as they gave me money. I was like, listen, you know, I want to thank you for giving me this dollar. And in return, I want to give you a hundred dollar bill so you can go shop. And people are like, what, what the hell is going on here? Like they wasn't they're not expecting a homeless guy to give them money. And I ended up giving out like five hundred dollars that day. And uh, I got such amazing reactions, people hugging me, crying. You know, some guy said it was such a life lesson for his kid. It was amazing. And then it got picked up by Channel 7. And once they ran the story, it was nonstop for weeks. I got calls from Fox, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, Yahoo, Inside Edition. I mean, it was bananas. I've never experienced like that anything in my life. I, I was calling my friend. I'm like, CNN just called me today. He's like, keep going. I was like. Bro, I'm on the I'm on nine o'clock news on Fox right now. My cousin said anyway. So when that happened, I was I thought in my head, and I, I've heard about so many people going viral. Now, you know that situation. Thank God it was a positive video, and I did end up raising money for at-risk youth after that. So I did something positive with it. But you know, 
although I did some positive with it, I still wanted to keep the momentum going because you only got one chance at a major viral video like that that goes international. I mean, I got messages from Russia, Greece, Hawaii. So I thought to myself, how in the hell am I going to top one of the biggest viral biggest viral videos I've ever done. So I remember I sat down and I wrote a strategy that I'm going to keep going harder and going bigger. And I did. And I kept doing some, some crazy stuff. Now, during that period of time, a lot of managers or quote unquote managers tried to hit me up to manage me. I had one guy uh, was trying to get me on the Ellen show. Another guy, he's like, we got to pounce now. We got to do something now. We got to keep this ball rolling so you can make money. So that was my mindset at the time. Let's keep the virality going. Let's see how we can leverage this. I've been on every news station in the country. If I get on Ellen, I'm done. I made it. Life is grand if I get on Ellen. So that didn't amount to that. But after all these shady managers, I started getting annoyed. So I thought to myself, how am I going to find a manager? Because for some reason, I've always done things myself. And I'm a prideful person. I don't like asking people for things. And that's been a big problem in my life. But um, I was like, you know what? It's time for me to stop doing everything. I need somebody to help me. Um, so I thought of the most viral way possible to try to find a manager. So I actually put up a billboard in Fort Lauderdale over I-95 with my face on a naked body. It was the Don Bailey carpet guy body, if you're familiar with Miami at all. And I'm laying down like this, half naked on a billboard. And it says, I'm looking for a non-shady manager, but I've been coming up bare, quote unquote bare, because I was naked. And then I put my Instagram on the, on the billboard. Within five minutes, my DMs blew the hell up. It was nuts. I'm still getting opportunities from, from this day, to uh, a year and a half ago, off that billboard. Um, and what ended up happening with that billboard, not only did I put up the billboard, then I wanted to come up with a concept to maximize the exposure on the billboard. So we ended up protesting my own billboard, and I dressed in character as this cowboy guy, and I've got a bunch of actors out there. We protested the billboard on the street corner in front of traffic, going ape shit. I'm throwing shoes at it. I'm screaming at it. And uh, so I used that, and I kind of got the buzz going a little bit more online. And then I ended up finding a PR guy, and I was like, look, you're not a manager. And I interviewed with a bunch of managers, or I interviewed them. None of them was the right fit. I, I wasn't feeling comfortable with any of them. I ended up going with a PR guy. So I learned the PR side of things. He didn't do that much for me. Um, so the monetization, long story short, came from opportunities that I was getting during that time. Every time I was on the news, somebody hit me up to be on a podcast. Every time I was on the news, uh, I was asked to run somebody's social media. Every time I was on the news, I was asked to be on uh, the Dining Divas television show. Um, that, that connected me to the movie studio, which got me a paid gig to run the social media. And now they're paying me in uh, 250,000 shares per quarter. I'm at the second quarter already. So I monetized that way. I got a bunch of brand partnerships with Luna House Miami. I, 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 you know, I did it that way. And then some other ones. So we just kept rolling and rolling, rolling. Then I got paid speaking gigs. So I got to speak in LA. I got to speak in the Hamptons. I got to speak in Puerto Rico. So I use that to leverage all these things. So it's not that I got money from the views because people always ask me, how many millions of views did you get? The problem with it was it went on the news everywhere and in right. other countries. It's very hard to monetize. It's very hard to pinpoint a number because it was on thousands of local news stations and then major, major, major news stations, at, you know, in prime time. So there's no, you know, I could try to find the views all over the Internet. It'll take me a year. But uh, so it, it was a little different way that I went viral. And then I did something at the heat game. Uh, where I dropped the ring in front of 20,000 people. And that made the news. They came to my house the next day and it was bizarre. So I kept trying to way to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And I kept doing it. And for a, a year and a half, I'm still on a roll and I'm still getting opportunities. I mean, even being on your podcast today pretty much stemmed off yeah. that from a year and a half ago. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to let you know, you can get a free copy of my book, The Millionaire Shortcut 
which shows you the fastest way to become a millionaire in the new economy. And there's a special link just for this episode in the description. So thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, so it's really interesting, um, you know, and I have, I have uh, four kids, two teenage boys, Wow. All their friends. I coach their basketball team. Like I listen, I have a lot of interaction with teenagers, right? Right. And, and there really is, I would say it's a misunderstanding, but it's a very genuine fascination. And whenever young, uh, with, with this concept of viral videos and social content, and whenever there's a, even if they misunderstand the economics of it, there's right. value in anything that young people are interested in. I mean, that's the most very true. That's the most you see what young people are into. You're going to find the next trend. Yeah. And that's what marketers are always trying to get into is that consciousness of, of young people. So so I'm trying to really quantify and, and pinpoint like where and how the value exists really and from from a kind of a sustainable basis, you know, virality and social content. Let's say it's a, it's a new innovation of the last you know 10 years. Right. And so it still has like a, a novelty about right. it. And I'm, yeah. I'm curious, your, your thought on how much of it is that there's really like an intrinsic, you know, just an, an intrinsic value that is a real currency that'll last over long periods of time. And how much of it is just sort of a, a fascination with this shiny new thing that certain people seem to know how to do, you know, for example, like, 20 years from now, if somebody makes a viral video, are we going to care as much as we do now when it's not a new thing? Because, that's a, yeah, I'm curious. That's, that's a great question. I, I mean, I feel like virality is going gonna, is gonna to be around for quite a while. Um, I think that you can't just go viral for anything and expect it to be super beneficial to you. If you throw up in someone's face on a party, you're going to go viral if someone films it. That's guaranteed. If you get punched in the face by someone and you get... Uh, sent to this uh, website called Worldstar, you're, de you're definitely going to go viral. But those things aren't always going to translate into opportunity unless you right. figure it out. I was on a clubhouse room last night with a guy. He was a musician. He's verified on Instagram like I am. And uh, he's like, yeah, I had a viral video, but I don't know how to continue with it. I don't know what to do. And just me, I, I got, I don't want to say lucky because it was a strategy. I really strategized my year out. I really strategized a full year and wrote on a whiteboard, you're going to go viral. You're going to pivot out of the next thing. Now in 20 years, it, I guarantee it's going to be a lot easier to go viral. I, I guarantee somebody's going to create some kind of app where you just post a video, it's going viral. It's going to have views on it. So maybe the maybe the novelty at that point will wear off. But you know, you got to ride the wave in the right way as you know as it's happening at this particular moment. But if you go viral, again, you have to. You can't just stop. I didn't stop. I have stopped recently because I kept getting uh, legitimate gigs. So I pulled back on everything I was doing, which maybe I shouldn't have. I got to kind of get back into it. But uh, but even though the opportunities are still rolling in, but yeah, you got to capitalize on it as it's happening. You can't let the virality die down or, or the buzz is going to go away. So, I mean, it sounds like you've had, as I understand it, at least three that I heard really, really major viral successes. Yeah, I would say I would say that one was the big one. I think the I think the Miami Heat one was was it was pretty big because it did make the news. And they came to my house the next day, and the producer uh, when he got here, I was like, "Yo, just to let you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm the same guy that." Well, the funny part was he called. They called me first, and they're like, "Yo, can you let us know if that was real or fake?" And I said, "All right, well, if I tell you if it was fake, are you still going to run the story and come interview me?" And they're like, "Yeah, of course. That'd have been even funnier." And they came. So when they came, I told them, I was like, hey, I don't know if you realize this, but I'm the guy 
you ran the story about during Christmas. And he's like, he's like, no way. You're the same guy that stood outside of Target as a homeless guy. And I say, yep, that's me. And he calls his producer on the phone. His producer's like, make sure it's the same guy. Confirm right now that it's the same guy. And I was like, yeah, it's me, man. He's like, run the story, run the story. And it was the funniest thing. Um, so yeah, so it was that one, the Miami one. And I would say the one that I walked into Sawgrass Mall, I would say being acting as a celebrity and I hired two fake bodyguards. I hired 12 fake actors. Um, I hired two fake paparazzi and I had two of our actors scream, oh my God, it's Brian Breach. And within two, within 60 seconds, I had a hundred people standing in line asking for my autograph. It was bizarre. I don't want to say that one went super viral like the other one, but it went on a bunch of viral sites on Facebook. It did pretty well. And that one actually is what, in my opinion, this is just opinions, I feel like that got me not accepted by the people in that viral world, but like, um, you know, like, all right, he's, he's taking it seriously. He's, he's doing something now. He, he, he switched out of music and he's shooting some social experiments. They look really good. He's putting effort into it. All right. We, we can take this guy seriously in this world. So, so then, I mean, you know, most people, it, it almost happens by accident and it's a one-off. It's not a, it's yeah. not an intentional strategy. Yeah. Um, and, and yet, you know, you've done it three times. And then frankly, that billboard thing, that may not have been a viral video, but it was a different type of engineered exper experiment, so to speak, that was very successful. Right. So and like, there was another one actually that had over 2 million on TikTok. Um, I was using my blue check mark to pretend to, to try to get a free airfare. And I used my blue check mark to get into Gloria Stefan's house or try to, anyway, right. that, that's another one as well. Okay, so I mean, the point is you've yeah. kind of formalized, I mean, to the extent you can, Either either you have some sort of really good innate instinct or you have a method for creating these things. Wh which one is it? Is it just like you're smart but you can't explain it or have you like figured out a formula? Um, it's, 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 a mixture, it's a mixture of both. It's a mixture of not stopping, keep going and strategizing and things like that. Uh, but the one that went viral for me was the one that I didn't plan. So it's bizarre. But when I teach people about how to go viral. And, and you know, it, it's tricky with that too. When I'm speaking about how to go viral, I tell people when I first start, I'm like, hey, I can't guarantee anyone's gonna go viral, but I can give you tips and tricks on how to maximize your views. And you start with something simple, very simple, like the caption of the video. Let's just start very simple, the caption of the video. One time I posted, uh, you know, I posted a picture of myself. Hey, what's up everyone, I'm at the beach. Yeah, I get 10, 20 comments. But if I write something simple, like in question format, like, Hey, I'm at the beach. What's everybody doing today? Something so small will increase the comments underneath the video. And by increasing the comments underneath the video, it'll boost you up in the algorithms. It'll give you a chance to possibly go viral. Now, let's, let's, let's really take it a step further here, right? Now, what I like to tell people to do when creating and strategizing a viral video is to put Easter eggs in your videos. And this is, this is the key. Put Easter eggs in your videos. And what I mean by Easter eggs are things in your videos that are going to purposely spark comment. Don't just shoot a video and hope comments are going to roll in. Put things in the video and more than one. Put eight sometimes that are going to spark comments. Now, the one example I've been using um, is like, you know, everybody wants to go viral, even real estate agents. Now, you know, whether you think it's a good example or not, I'll use this one. So let's say you're a real estate agent and you want to make this crazy video about this mansion that you're selling and you want it to go viral just so you can sell the damn house, right? And let's say, for example, you, um, you're, you're showing the house, you're like, oh, we got this huge mansion and somebody is walking their dog in the background and the dog takes a crap in your video. The dog takes a crap right in your video. Now that's not professional, right? I, I don't think it's professional, but you know what? 
I would advise that real estate agent after he watched it back to be the dog shitting in the background because what's going to happen is you're going to get about 3,000 comments like, did anyone see that? Yo, there, a dog just crapped in the background of your video, man. And that, that's going to create comments to boost you up in the algorithms. Now, if you keep going a step further, let's say a dog was crapping in the background and then you have a stain on your tie. Now you're going to get caught and you don't edit it out. You leave everything in and now you have a stain on your tie and the dog crapping in the background. So now you're going to have the people that caught the dog but didn't see the stain. And then the people that saw the stain didn't catch the dog. Then they're going to start arguing, conversing in the comments, and that's going to blow into a whole nother thing. Now that's accidental, right? Now, what if you don't do it accidentally? What if you purposely plant these things in all your videos? What if you purposely have somebody throw a football in front of your face and you don't even flinch and your audience is like, yo, did anyone see, did anyone see that? I think a football just went in front of his face. He didn't even move. He didn't say one word. And what if they start arguing in the comments and they start going, you know, it, it starts moving up in the algorithms. It gets on the For You page. It gets on the Explore page and all that stuff. Those are the keys to making a video go, go, go up in the algorithms. Now, what I like to call this, and especially if you put controversy, and when I say controversy, I don't mean racism. I don't mean stupid controversy. I mean little, little subtle controversies. Now, I call it the Britney Spears or the Takashi 6 9 effect. Remember when Britney Spears supposedly went crazy and she shaved her head and the whole world was going nuts? Right. Well, what happened was she got so much hate for so long that I even thought she was going to kill herself. Like, it was that bad. And when you get enough hate on a video, unless, you know, unless, again, you say something racist or... But if you get enough hate on a video, you're going to have the positive people and your real fans are going to come to the rescue. And what happened with Britney Spears is that... I don't know if you remember that guy. He's like, leave Britney alone! When he did that, thousands... Thousands of people resurrected her career. All the positive came. She got on the cover of all these magazines, not hating on her like they were for three months, but giving her positive, positive views and positive vibes. Takashi 69 he does these stupid videos. I do not like him as an artist. I'm not a fan, but you know what? He creates these videos where he puts all these little controversial things in the videos and all these negative comments, negative comments. You're whack, you're a snitch, I hate you. And then all his fans come to the rescue, leave Takashi 69 alone, you're an asshole, leave him alone, he's hustling, he's grinding. And you know what that does? That goes from 500 comments that it would have been to 100,000 comments under a video because they are arguing in the comments. And I encourage people to put Easter eggs in your videos to spark these kind of small controversies. Man, that's so interesting. And so, and so you know, it's interesting because like, you know, you're talking about entertainers, you're talking about artists, um, maybe celebrities, you know, let's take, um, you know, like an, uh, your average small business. So, you, you know, you mentioned a real estate agent, uh, but even the real estate agent, you know, they got a, they got a flashy mansion that they're showing yeah. on. You know, what if it's a, what if it's a, a plumber or a, an electrician or a roofer or a, a pool guy that they don't do mansions. They do right. middle-class, you know, two to $300,000 properties. Yep. And they kind of, even myself, like I have a, I mean, I've been successful. I got a big company. Like I have a lot of cool things, aspects about my life, but like, I don't, you know, I'm not in a niche that lends itself to all these kind of shenanigans. Right. 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 Like, how do you counsel people that have, for lack of a better way to say it, like a more boring business? Yeah. You know, but, but, but you know, what's funny, you just nailed it actually, believe it or not, and people don't realize this, but those boring businesses are a niche. They really are. So let's say for example, TikTok is the best place to go viral right now. A plumber is perfect for TikTok. And believe it or not, people love seeing the behind the scenes of a business. So if you're a plumber, for example, 
you know, I wouldn't just say, hi, I'm John the plumber about to go fix this house. I would get in there with the camera. I would show the leaks. I would show the water dripping on my face. I would show every behind the scenes. I would show the struggles. I would show my butt crack. I would show getting under that sink and doing my thing. I would show the entire process on what it takes to fix a pipe to, I would walk into someone's house that just called me and, and it's like, hey man, I got a huge leak. I would show the leak drip. I would show the, sh the shit dripping down from the first floor, from the second floor down. I would show it all and the grind and how hard I work and what it is. And believe it or not, you're gonna get hundreds of thousands of people that wanna see that. People have problems with the plumbing every single day. So imagine John the plumber comes on TikTok and he's giving people trip tricks and tips in order to fix their home plumbing. And he spends an hour a day literally saying, all right, guys, if you have a leak in your dishwasher, I mean, I have problems with my dishwasher. I wish there was a plumber that I can go to his TikTok and learn how to fix his damn dishwasher because I couldn't figure it out. So I would, I, would, I would show the behind the scenes of his real jobs, his hard jobs. Um, I would even jokingly throw things in the video. I would, I would, I would bring a comedic aspect to it. You know, I, I would turn on the, the faucet, have water spray me in the face, just, just kidding. You know, I would do all sorts of little things, throw in the comedic aspect, spec. I would, I would do an hour a day of teaching people how to fix stuff around their house. And I guarantee that man is going to find an audience. Yeah. So I know that like on YouTube, the, you know, so much of the strategy is centers around teaching, like how to teaching videos. is what will help you go viral easy. And yeah. you think, and that's, that's true on TikTok as well. Oh, so true, man. It, it, people think that TikTok is about 15-year-old girls dancing. Although there's that element. Yeah, I understand that. But uh, uh, there's so many educational TikTokers out there. And those people blow up. Who was I on? I was on a, oh, oh, I was on a, um, a clubhouse call with uh, his name is AJ. I don't remember his page name. But he does pressure washing. And this guy's gotten... He's collabing with TikTok now. He went to the TikTok offices. His videos are going viral every time because it is so soothing to watch a pressure washer oh, wash yeah. away the dirt. And it's just so amazing. And he shows the behind the scenes process and he talks about it. And he, he he's beyond more viral than I am. I mean, I had a couple of great videos go viral and I'm leveraging the opportunity and pull back from that space. Every one of his videos hitting a million or some of views, I believe. So, you know, if you get into that space, educational space is amazing on that platform. Yeah, pressure washing has that like uh, almost like a Dr. Pimple Popper effect where it's just yeah. like, it's like so relieving when it happens, you know? It is, man. And, and you know, there, how many homeowners do we have in the country? You know how many people are buying houses right now? Do you have, I mean, you probably know, millions. Where yeah, I, I was trying to buy an investment property. I couldn't even buy one for six months because there was lines out of the door at some of these open houses I was trying to buy. Um, people are flooding. So there's so many homeowners. Why wouldn't you stop and want to go watch how to clean your home, how to clean your driveway, how to clean the walkway, you know? Perfect. Yeah, man. It's, it's just, it's just so crazy. It's such a crazy world. And I, and I want to, I want to say on a personal note, thank you. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to confess something that I suspect a lot of people will resonate with, which is yeah. I have had people for a year telling me that I need to get my act together and I need to get on TikTok, and I need to embrace this trend, and I need to lean into this, and I resist it, and I resist it because I'm so used to to almost like it's almost like a deservability issue. I think where it's like I want to win on merit, right? I want my content to get attention because it's the best, <clears throat> not because it's the catchiest, right? But but, but you know that's, that's dumb. That's just it will be dumb. your best. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe if you put out the content, it will be on merit because you are who you are and you built this great empire. Um, and, you know, you're just you're just 
throwing a little pizzazz in there in order to, you know, in order to, to move the video along, but it's still you, it's still your content, it's still your, it's still your thoughts, it's still your views, and people are going to love you for you, but you're just, you're, you're just making the transitions nice, the edits are nice, you're, you're throwing beautiful text over your video, you're making it a little more flashy, but it's, but it's you, you're just throwing the little things out there to catch the attention of the listener, and once you get the listener's attention, you're going to grow your audience. So is it as simple as like, like, let me just ask, so first, how a TikTok video, I know there's different lengths. There's a 15 second format and there's a 60 right. second format, right? Correct. So if I just- And said, Reels too, you have IG Reels now too, yeah. Yeah, and IG Reels. So if I just said like, you know, I mean, I'm just gonna make something up here. If I was like, you know, your teacher didn't lie to you. They just didn't know any better. When they told you study hard, go to college, get a job, have a nice life, that's, lit that's what they were taught, but it wasn't real. That's just not how the world works anymore. Did you know that in fact, if you entered the job market in the last 20 years, you have about a 130 chance of retiring with enough money to even have a reasonable quality of life. Why don't you look at becoming an entrepreneur and, and blah, blah, you know, just like something like that, right? Perfect. And, then, and that's it. I just say that for 30 seconds or 40 seconds and then just put it in the TikTok platform and you overlay some graphics and like, that's it, you're good. To be honest with you, what you just said right there and, and the way you're about to approach it on TikTok will probably right now go more viral than I have been because I pulled back from TikTok. And the reason being is this, you have short form content, right? What I do or what I was doing, you know, I'm shooting these elaborate skits and it's taking me days to edit it. It's a pain in the ass and I love it, but it's such a pain and it's a process and I got to pay my videographers and it's with you. You sit in front of a camera, you tell an audience out of entrepreneurs, you'll have that little controversy, but degrees are great still. And then you have the other people that shut up about your degrees. We don't need degrees no more. And then you're going to have some more than degree people in there. And if you could just take 30 seconds out of your day to say exactly what you just said, you could literally, you know, go back on this podcast, cut that part out and post it and, and do another one the next day and, and teach people about entrepreneurship. And you just keep posting one a day. They're going to catch, man. They're going to huh. catch like wildfire. Well, what about the calls to action? So like as I as I end that, and by the way, I'm literally going to do it like as soon as we're done just because I like I'm excited. Um, the calls to action. So if I end and I just say something like, you know, entrepreneurs, we set our own schedule. We determine our own worth. And when we're and we get to stop working when we're done, not when the boss tells us we can go home. Um, right. You know, that's why I started Entre Institute two years ago to teach you how to have the same life that I do. And then period or is it okay is it is it format acceptable to say so go ahead and click the link or, or click the youtube link in my bio to learn more about how to join entre institute or is that kind of like too much uh, i i've heard different things about okay for, i believe a call to action is important especially if you're directing people to youtube um it, it's good to grow an audience there and then bring them out of that platform because you never know what platform is going to go under one day. Everybody thought TikTok was going to go under when, when the whole Trump thing happened, but it stayed afloat. But what if TikTok did go under? You got to, you got to move into another place. So yes, call to actions are super important. I wouldn't sell on every video. Um, I would go live as well sometimes. And in the lives, I, I would do a little more selling. Hey, you guys see my videos, man, uh, uh, be an entrepreneur right now, you know, go live. And I heard, you know, I, I haven't used TikTok as much as I have, but when you go live on there, you'll start rolling an audience real quick, huh. especially people that want to find out, you know, that want to be an entrepreneur because there's so much money to be made as an entrepreneur. So yes, call to actions are super important. You know, I wouldn't, me personally, I wouldn't sell on every single video. I would, I would throw it out there, maybe put it in your bio, you know, to, to do this, click this, uh, go to my Instagram, put it in your Instagram, your bio, direct people to your YouTube. But yeah, 
but it's just, pretty soft to just say, you know, I've got over 500 free training videos on my YouTube. If you want to learn more, go check it out. Oh yeah, perfect, man. That's 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 perfect. That's you your call you to action. Think that right would there. be that like that. You think that would be a reasonable coda to every video because it's not really like a hard pitch or anything. I think so. I think it should be. All right. And you know what? You can experiment too. If you feel like the, if you see those videos are only getting like you know five thousand views and the ones without it are getting you know fifty thousand views, play with it a little bit. Play with the wording. Play with the you know play with the style of the video. You know? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, thank you, man. This, this is incredible. I, I just have so much respect. Like I'm a very, very smart marketer and advertiser, yeah. but this world has seemed so like inscrutable to me and you have right. articulated it in a way that makes it feel so much more accessible than I've heard it before. So I really respect what you do and congratulations on all your success, man. Thank you so much. And, and it's funny, so just something you said that you said before that you were hesitant to get on these platforms. Um, when Instagram came out, my friend said, get on Instagram right now. And I said, nope. I was like, I can't do it, man. I'm on too many, man. I got Twitter. I got Facebook. I got LinkedIn. I, I can't, man. He's like, trust me, get on Instagram. And I was hesitant. I remember I, I'm almost positive that weeks went by. I got on Instagram, started posting garbage, this and that and the other. Music popped off, finally got verified, changed, changed my life, man. Changed uh, every, every dollar that I make almost is off Instagram. It's crazy. Huh. Yeah, man. Well, that's inspiring. I uh, <laughs> I suspect this is going to be one of my most uh, one of my most popular interviews because it again it's just such a such a sexy subject, you know. Yeah, social media <laughs> virality. So, you just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode, and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. Head over to www.entranation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.